The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. This has always stuck with me. You are an expert in your own lived reality, and we're asking you to utilize that expertise in really connecting with the communities that you're affiliated with and asking questions that we might send on a survey and get a yes or no answer. But because you're the person asking that question, you're able to have more in-depth conversations. You're able to phrase those questions in a way that your folks that you're connected with would respond to. I think really the findings speak for themselves. And really, I think the benefit for the community and others is that we are forming a deeper relationship with our community and better understanding of each other, I would argue, as a result of working through processes like this. Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics, from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. Recognizing a need for broader community engagement on public projects, an innovative approach has been created in Rochester, Minnesota. It's called community co-design, a process that encourages, compensates, and prioritizes the inclusion of diverse populations throughout the design and development process. My guests today were involved in the formation of community co-design. Chao Mwatella is Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Director for the City of Rochester. Kevin Bright is Director of Housing and Sustainability for the Destination Medical Center Economic Development Agency and City of Rochester. In the past two years, 10 local community co-design pilots have been completed. The success of community co-design has caught the eye of Bloomberg Philanthropies, which awarded the City of Rochester a million-dollar grant in the Global Mayor's Challenge for its work in community co-design. Chao Mwatella, Kevin Bright, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited for both of you to join the conversation today and the topic today. Today, we're going to talk about opportunities for many community members to participate in public decision-making, public spaces, many different opportunities. We're specifically talking about approach that Rochester, Minnesota has taken. Before we get to that, though, I want to learn a little bit more about each of you. Chow, can you give us a background on you and your career? I was born and raised in Kenya, which is in East Africa, and didn't move to the United States until I decided to flee from my parents, like most young people do, to learn something new, experience different cultures, and ended up in an educational space where I was teaching high school students. And that is where I was able to notice the disparities that exist within communities in most communities in America and got interested in the idea of why that's the case, because I was born and raised in a place where those disparities didn't exist based on race. Um, very intrigued with that. And then eventually worked at a community college, which is an open access to all folks space. And that problem was persistent in that space as well. And with time, recognizing that a lot of those disparities that I was witnessing were not just in the educational space, but in many other spaces in community, and thought about how could this be impacted outside of that, right, in a more systemic way. And so when I saw the opportunity to participate in local government and be in a space that focused specifically on diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
I was interested in that. And that's how I ended up applying and working as or serving as a diversity, equity, inclusion director for the city of Rochester. So really trying to impact policies, practices and programs that would affect all of those disparities that we see in our different spaces. How long have you lived in Rochester? I have lived in Rochester since 2008, quite a while. Kevin, can you give us your background? I'm an environmental geologist by training. Started my career at Harvard University, and they had a green building department. So we were an internal consulting firm that provided sustainable design consulting and energy audits for Harvard buildings. Um, And then also at that time started my own company, a sustainability consulting firm, where we offered a lot of the same types of services, but for clients outside of Harvard's walls uh, and campus. From there, I started a sustainability office in Colby College, which is a small liberal arts college in Maine, and then moved here in 2017 to Rochester, Minnesota, to serve as the, at the time, the energy and sustainability director for the city of Rochester and the Destination Medical Center Economic Development Agency. You have dual role, both with the city and um, an economic development agency. Destination Medical Center, or as most people know it as DMC, it's a big initiative. Can you give us the elevator speech on Destination Medical Center? DMC is a public-private partnership. It's a 20-year economic development project in collaboration with Mayo Clinic, the city of Rochester, uh, and Olmstead County. Mayo is interested in making Rochester, Minnesota, its international headquarters, um, and as part of that, we needed to grow their workforce as part of their development plans and other private development plans to kind of make a more vibrant downtown, classic kind of 21st century development practice of, make, of city building, kind of formed this vision and project called the Destination Medical Center where infrastructure needs could be met with some state funds as well as county and city funds to help Mayo achieve their growth plans here in Rochester. So as part of that is a lot of private development of Mayo, but also private development and recruitment of other spaces like hotel, retail, dining, entertainment things to make the downtown more interesting and have people live there, work there and play there. It's really a great model, public-private partnership. Seems to work so far. So far, so good. Kevin, in your role with Destination Medical Center, or DMC, you were instrumental in the launch of a new initiative called Community Co-Design. What is Community Co-Design, and tell us how and why it got started. The idea, or kind of the group got formed, kind of centered around this idea about five years ago. One of the visions for the DMC project is to create America's City for Health. Um, And in order to help realize how we can accomplish that vision over the course of the 20-year project, we pulled together a range of government uh, partners, nonprofits, and other organizations, our community, to, to better understand what are the most pressing health and health equity issues that our community is facing. And it was really out of that conversation with these 25 organizations where the topic of we're not seemingly engaging with our overall community. We're seeing a lot of the same faces in public spaces over and over again. And these uh, voices are having really big impacts and changes on public infrastructure projects specifically. And and they're not reflective of the entire community. And they're not reflective of the entire community. So really the work began from there of trying to, how can we engage with, compensate, and treat fairly members of our community who we know have important critiques and perspectives to share to shape the public infrastructure projects that we're working on, but historically have been excluded from those spaces um, in order to provide that perspective, in order to help shape those projects. It's kind of with that vision in mind that community co-design was formed as an approach in order to help recruit, honor, and compensate individuals and communities of color specifically and other historically excluded populations in Rochester to participate in this decision-making process. And it's taken quite amount of growth since that time. We piloted on a single project called Discovery Walk, and Chow served as a co-designer for our first project there. 
Um, and since then, it's been used on 10 additional projects, um, ranging in kind of focus area. Discovery Walk was more of like a classic space design. It's a linear park project in downtown Rochester. Um, and since then, has been used to help form programs, policies, and other things in our community in order to help and best serve the people that have the most to gain from that particular activity or approach or problem. Ciao. As Kevin mentioned, you were one of the first community co-designers for the Discovery Walk project, which is currently in development in downtown Rochester. How were you selected? And give us a synopsis of the experience. I wasn't quite sure until I was engaged in the process how I was selected. But in reflecting on that, it was really apparent that they were looking for people who had really diverse backgrounds, but specifically maybe intersectional identities so looking for folks who had those identities, but also were really connected to their communities and had trusted relationships within their communities. So at that time, I was serving as a multicultural advisor at Rochester Community and Technical College, which is the local community college in town, and had a lot of relationships with the students that I was working with. At the same time, engaged in my own community, I identify with the East African community in town and had relationships that way. So um, really understanding that I was able to have conversations with students that I was encountering on a daily basis with community members that I was in relationship with and so selected for those reasons. And that experience was interesting because I didn't initially actually quite understand what I was being selected for because I'd never participated in a process like this. But essentially, they brought us into a space together, met with other co-designers that had been chosen for that experience, um, were given a background of what co-design was and what our role was. And they said, and this has always stuck with me, you are an expert in your own lived reality. And we're asking you to utilize that expertise in really connecting with the communities that you're affiliated with and asking questions that we might send on a survey and get a yes or no answer. But because you're the person asking that question, you're able to have more in-depth conversations. You're able to phrase those questions in a way that your folks that you're connected with would respond to, right? Because you're not just representing yourself. You're representing a larger group of people in your community. Yes. And I would say actually not necessarily representing, but being a liaison to that community. Yeah. Because traditional engagement sometimes assumes that somebody who holds that identity is going to represent everyone who holds that identity. And in this case, acting as like a conduit to that community so that I could ask questions, ask the why, rephrase, paraphrase, and sometimes even use completely different language. And so the questions that were given were merely guidelines that we would utilize um, with those communities. So essentially, we'd go out, the project team would provide us with questions, we would go out to our communities, we would ask those questions, they would check in with us every so often and see how is it going, do you need any support? But then we would bring that information back to the studio sessions and the studio sessions would be where we would share and, and synthesize that information. And based on what we shared, they would curate new questions to take back to our communities. And it was an iterative process. So back and forth we went. And the project team, unbeknownst to us, were kind of synthesizing that and coming up with themes that emerged that they were hearing from all of us. And my experience was great because, one, I felt empowered to do something about things that had always been evident to me, right? But at the same token, was able to hear from other co-designers who held other identities on their lived experiences and their community's lived experiences. And then bringing that back together, not only to 
uncover problems in a different way, um, get, get greater understanding, but also to come up with solutions together that would work. And I wanted to highlight one last thing, which is a lot of times communities don't know why their feedback has not been utilized, right? In co-design, because we're engaged in the conversations of what are the barriers, what are the solutions, how can we implement, we also get to understand why some of the feedback that we offered is not utilized, which is really great for community. Because when I go back to my community and say, hey, we gave you this feedback, we don't see it reflected in the, in the design, I can say, oh, this is because X, Y, Z. And that way they feel validated that they were heard. That they, they have were an listened. answer. Yes, they have an answer. And actually really excited to see what they shared that is reflected in that final design. Kevin, being on the project team, and this is a pilot project, this first one, you and, and the other team members, give us your perspective on what you learned and, and maybe some aha moments throughout the process. First, I was really happy that everyone had a great experience. I entered it really nervous (laughs) that you're bringing a group of people together that don't necessarily know each other. We couldn't tell, Kevin, that you were nervous. (laughs) Well, that's good. Sometimes I hide it well, sometimes I don't. (laughs) But I guess what we we really valued was that there was this kind of collaborative spirit among this kind of pilot group of co-designers. And what we were finding and quickly realized was that we were able to go very deep in terms of understanding the perspective and lived experiences of the co-designers themselves and that we were getting perspective that we simply weren't. And and frankly, it would probably be pretty difficult to get through kind of more traditional engagement practices like an open house or other things. Um, As Chow mentioned in some of her remarks just earlier, the conversations she would have with her community are a lot different than maybe they would have with me. And I think the key ingredient that would be missing there is trust. Um, so if you don't have the time to necessarily build trust, I think designing a, an approach and a program where we're asking trusted individuals of communities in order to engage with them, to help understand really what, what are their true motivations, what are they really interested in, what, what do they see as a vision for the community, all those insights were, were extremely powerful. In terms of Discovery Walk, in a couple instances, the perspective of the co-designers had a huge impact on the on the project itself to the point where budget was increased in order to incorporate some of the insights from the co-designers themselves. Um, one that really sticks out, and I'm sure Chow can share a couple too, was about just the concept of snow. We had a lot of snow in Minnesota and really difficult for folks who are wheelchair bound to move around in the wintertime. Um, and we had a pretty interesting story was shared with us where even if the sidewalks are, are shoveled and the, the streets are plowed, somewhere there's a lump, a pile of snow that aggregates typically at the edge of the sidewalk, and especially at the bottom of like a ramp that, or a, cut, a curb cut that connects the sidewalk to the road itself on a ramp. And their point was, you know, even with the best intents, there's, this is still really difficult. So if there were ways that we incorporate something into the design in order to make sure that it was very easy to utilize the space for people of all abilities... That would be a huge win for us, and we would definitely use the space or more likely to use the space than otherwise. Um, so because of that input, we designed a snowmelt system and integrated it into the park design. We didn't anticipate doing this. This was a budget increase. So we took this design change both to the DMC board, the city council, and even the co-designers were part of the presentation too to, to speak to their lived experience and why this was an important thing for them to consider and incorporate in the project. That really stuck with me, and there's a number of others, but I'm also curious what jumps out to Chow. 
One of the things I think that stood out to me is the idea of belonging, right? We know, at least in our community, that communities of color are not very engaged downtown. And I know there have been several initiatives to try and get that to change. But in listening to the other co-designers and having them share their experiences about what belonging looks like, I was surprised to kind of understand the idea of art and the role of art, which I guess I'd never thought about, and how it indicates or signals belonging. And because of that revelation, the project team had the co-designers be part of the selection committee of, of like kind of choosing whose art or what type of art would be incorporated into Discovery Walk. And what was interesting is without consulting each other, we all selected the same three artists, right, to share their work. And all of them were artists who hold diverse identities. So bringing public art that is representative or that provides a signal to communities of color that this is a space that reflects who they are, that they belong, and that would draw their communities to spaces that they typically would not engage with. So that is something that stood out to me. What a fascinating first start for a pilot project. And now you have 10 within the city of Rochester. Is this the norm moving forward? I think it kind of depends. I think we get asked this question a lot of like, is this just how we're going to be doing things? And I think for the right, for the project and it has the right timing, kind of the right focus. And there is something that makes sense in order to engage with community and very deeply. Definitely. I think the DMC and DMC board is committed to it. I believe city council is as well to a, deg- to a degree in order to start incorporating our practices. But I think really the findings speak for themselves. And really, I think the benefit for the community and others is that we are forming a deeper relationship with our community and better understanding of each other, I would argue, as a result of working through processes like this. Well, you've created a toolkit that's that's free to the public to use in other communities and other states. Are you getting interest from other cities or states? Chow wondering, how did you do that? And can you help us out? Yes, we have had opportunities to share, right? You know, Discovery Walk and other projects that we've utilized co-design for um, in different spaces. And the number one question that I get is, how can we do that, right? Or how do you do that? And so it has been wonderful to have the Community Co-Design Toolkit that we've since shared with other communities, but also wanting to make sure that we stay true to the process. And so Kevin and his team have been curating facilitation training or um, just workshops that allow people to understand when or what would be a great project to utilize co-design and what would not. So I think those efforts are the most important in, in sharing this work. So it's great to have the toolkit but it's also wonderful to have additional information on how you can utilize it or how you could be a facilitator in that process. I would say more interest than we probably have time for. I keep telling Kevin (laughs) that he's going to be busy for the next couple of years because of this. Job security. Job security, yes. One of the interesting too is uh, the city of Rochester has a relationship with the city of Munster, Germany through a climate smart municipalities program that's organized at the University of Minnesota. And we presented co-design to not only Munster, but a collection of four other German cities that were in Minnesota for a week. And the same cohort of Minnesota cities travels to Germany. When they were here, every single one of their hands, when asked the question is what, like, what is new? Is co-design new for you? Every German in the room raised their hand and said, we've never heard anything like this. Not an engagement process that was completely foreign to them. Germany does have a pretty different type of government where it's more of a top-down approach. Um, They have a lot more elected leaders. So, for instance, their city council in Munster has over 100 representatives compared to Mm -hmm. ours, which have a lot fewer, I think 
Seven. Seven. So I, I found that fascinating too, and that it's not only relevant to other cities here in the United States, but relevant to other places in the world too. Well, it's global, and that gets me to my next question for you, Chow. In 2021, the city of Rochester competed in the Bloomberg Philanthropies Global Mayor's Challenge, competing with more than 600 cities for $1 million to support a community-driven project. Ultimately, 15 cities, including Rochester, Minnesota, were awarded the $1 million grant. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. We're very excited. Tell us more about the initiative, the project you presented, and the next steps. For context, the Global Mass Challenge was initially the Mass Challenge through Bloomberg Philanthropies. And the underlying belief in that is that cities have the unique ability to understand their own problems, but to come up with innovative solutions to um, address those problems, particularly those that have been persistent. So in 2020, that was the first time that the challenge was extended from being um, regional to being global, right? And cities around the world were asked to think about what is the most persistent and prevalent problem that they can resolve on their own or come up with ideas to do so. And for our city, of course, we're in the midst of the pandemic. One of the things that was apparent to us was that we have had a persistent issue with disparities specific to communities of color. And in our case, particularly women of color, and there have been several initiatives to try and address that, and we haven't quite been able to. Uh, I'll just highlight here that Minnesota is definitely noted as one of the best states to live, but also noted as having one of the greatest disparities in all social determinants of health. As a city, and particularly our mayor, said, how can we think about this in a creative and new way? And pulling up data and noting that we're growing really fast as a city and there are all of these opportunities specific to the built environment and construction. And those careers have longevity, great fiscal growth, and could have an impact on women. So on one hand, looking at great disparity that was specific to women of color, and then also on the other hand, seeing great opportunity specific to the built environment because of Destination Medical Center and how could we put this together and create a pathway and that's where community co-design comes in. Um, we decided that you know most initiatives in the past haven't necessarily centered the voices of those that are most impacted so bringing in women of color from our community who held all these different backgrounds and had perspectives and asking them to identify what those barriers look like but putting them in the room together with industry partners and educators and saying, how can we talk through what the barriers are together? And then how can we also come up with this prototype or this solution that we would recommend? And Kevin, if you remember this, our prototype was co-design. And we were really nervous because a lot of other cities had a thing that they had created. And the prototype that we submitted halfway through the project was to say, we would like to utilize co-design as our innovative approach and idea to come up with a solution. Well, because it is. Because it is, <laughs> right. Um, and we were nervous just because we, um, it was hard to explain that if we're not submitting a completed idea or a curated thing, we're saying this is, we're going to utilize this process to come up with a, with a solution, a prototype. And we worked through that for an entire year and eventually based on uh, the feedback that we had from co-designers, uh, a prototype that included three components. One of those was a worksite prototype that has women go into the built environment in a cohort model and into a space that is ready for them to be there. So an industry partner that has gone through a diversity, equity, inclusion assessment has implemented recommendations and is ready to have women of color come into their workspace. A second component that is specific to training 
right? And making sure that those training institutions are also ready to have women of color and that the women have supportive services that might range from transportation to childcare to dues that they would pay to a union, for example. And then a third part, which was K-12, exposing young women and young people generally to all of the broad range of careers in the built environment, many of which I had never heard of. Maybe Kevin had, but I had not. So how do we have young people explore these careers and their families to know that these are viable careers and submitted that application, waited with bated breath, not knowing what would happen and were very happy to be the recipient of the $1 million. And we're currently in uh, implementation, right? And what I love about this prototype is it addressed all the themes that were brought forth from our co-designers and are thinking about women who are able to get into those professions now, but also long-term in 20, 30, 40 years, how do we get the next generation to have an interest or develop an interest and have pathways that allow them to benefit from this? Really excited about that and hope that it's evident that we could use co-design for physical spaces like we did for Discovery Walk, but also use co-design to come up with processes or policies that would change how our communities work and function. So cool. Kevin, when you envisioned co-design as a prototype for a singular project, did you ever think a couple years later it would be the recipient of a million-dollar grant? No. <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't just me. It was right this group of the City for Absolutely. Health Steering Committee. But I think as we sat in that room, we... I think we all understood that we were doing something meaningful that would definitely be a change for our community, but didn't be able to think that we'd be winning a million dollar prize in a competition against 630 other cities. Yes. Now that never crossed my mind, but around the world, by the way, the world. (laughs) Yes. Before we go today, I just want to ask you both one final question. Chow, tell us what you are most excited for in 2023. Wow, it's hard to summarize that in one sentence. (laughs) And I think what I'm most excited for would be seeing communities that typically haven't participated in processes and in programs build capacity and participate and feel seen and heard, right? I think that's what I'm most excited for, seeing that change in our community. Kevin, how about you? Totally agree with what Chow said. Um, I think what I would add to is more community healing. I think the pandemic hit a lot of people hard, a lot of communities, uh, put them in really difficult spaces to places. So I, I'm hopeful that with more social interaction, with more discussion, with more opportunities to engage in public discourse like community co-design offers, that we can just start to understand each other a little bit more and realize we have more in common than we have different. Well, you both have been fascinating. I love the conversation today. I love your passion. Congratulations on all of your success with community co-design and best wishes in 2023. Thank you. You as well. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene, its international culinary flavors and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.